This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. We're going to look today at 1 Peter chapter number 5, and we see in this passage that Peter is writing uh, to those who are scattered. He's writing primarily to Jewish believers who've been scattered abroad. This is a section of the New Testament we refer to as, or Bible students refer to as the Hebrew Christian church epistles. So he's writing to Hebrews primarily, but to us all. And uh, This is a group that began in Jerusalem, the church began in Jerusalem, and uh, suffered great persecution uh, originally from their own people who sought to persecute them. But then that persecution, that fervor spread beyond uh, the uh, religion of Judaism that opposed Christianity and, and it spread into the Roman government. And of course, Nero, who was the Caesar, uh, became very famous for his persecution of the Christians or very well known for his persecution of Christian believers. And, and Peter is writing here in 1 Peter and he's addressing these suffering saints who are scattered abroad. Imagine Uh, the upheaval that happened in their lives when they had to leave their uh, homes and they had to leave their occupations and they had to travel for fear of their lives to all parts of the world and and, uh, to to be separated from friends and from family. Uh, This is the group that he was writing to. And of course, as they settled in those areas, they, they found a group of believers and they were worshiping the Lord together. But the climate was in no way welcoming. It was not a conducive atmosphere in their culture to say, hey, we're happy there's a church here and there's a group of Christians here. No, the atmosphere was the contrary. And so these people uh, who are fearful, who are hurting, who are trying to make sense of everything, uh, Peter is writing to them to encourage them. In 1 Peter chapter number 5, he deals with uh, their relationship one another in the context and the framework of the local New Testament assembly, which they had become a part of in the respective areas that they had been scattered to. And he deals with the relationship of the shepherd and the sheep. And I I thought it would be healthy for us to look at this passage, especially in light of what we're praying God will do in the next few days to encourage his servants in ministry. We're in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 1. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither being, or neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. 
And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, and all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. In these verses, uh, Peter has addressed the shepherds and he has addressed the sheep. And they have a special relationship as they work together to serve the Lord. You see, we believe the Bible teaches that the church was established by the Lord Jesus Christ. It's his idea, this whole concept of, of a local assembly. This is the Lord's idea. It's not man's idea. It's God's idea. And the work of the church and the organization of the church and the functioning of the church and its inner workings are all designed by God and given to us in his word. And in this passage, he's speaking to the shepherds. He calls them by the name elders here. And we're going to look at this subject that we find in verse number one. If you'll note it, he says, the elders which are among you. And I want to speak to you on the subject this morning, the elders among you. The elders among you. And of course, when we hear that word, we might think, obviously, of someone who is older, more mature in years. But here he's speaking of a particular office. And he's speaking of those who have the responsibility and the call of God on their life to lead the church, to pastor the church, to preach and teach the truths of God's word. And he's speaking to them, and in this passage, speaking particularly to those who are pastoring those local New Testament churches. I want you to notice some things as we consider the elders among you. And I'm preaching not only to the, those who in ministry and primarily to myself, but I'm also preaching to you this morning because I think it's important for us to note that as the church is his idea and as he has organized it and ordained it, he has ordained the offices of the church. And we believe here at Tabernacle Baptist Church that the Lord Jesus Christ is the head of the church. Uh, we do not believe that there's any organization that exerts any authority over us. Uh, we, are, we have one head and that's Christ. Uh, we are not affiliated with any organization. We are an independent, autonomous church. Uh, and so we answer to the Lord Jesus. 
We believe that the Lord Jesus designed the church to be led by pastors. And uh, we have a pastor-led church. We, we believe that the Lord established the office, office of the deacon in, in the book of Acts. And we read of it also in 1 Timothy chapter 3 to serve the church. And so we have a pastor-led and a deacon-served church. And, and then we believe that the congregation, as God directs us, approves what God is doing. And so we have a model here of a pastor-led, deacon-served, congregationally-approved body of believers. And we believe this is the New Testament pattern. And so as he's writing to these believers who are scattered and in different areas, he's saying the elders which are among all of you, the, the pastors who, who are there in, in the areas in which you are, who have the responsibility and call of God upon their lives to lead the flock of God, I have a word for you. And so let's see it. And let's look at it together. If you're writing things down, I hope you will. I hope you write this one down. Number one, the responsibilities of an elder. Because we're going to see the responsibilities of the elder. Notice if you would please in verse number two. Feed the flock of God which is among you. Taking the oversight thereof not by constraint but willingly. Not for filthy lucre but of a ready mind. And so here we see the responsibilities of an elder. If you want to know what a pastor is supposed to do, we have it given to us in a, in a very short, concise statement that the Holy Spirit of God inspired Peter to write. You, you'll notice here his ministry. We're going to look at two things as we consider his responsibilities. We're going to see his ministry, and then we're going to examine his motive. But first of all, let's look at his ministry Notice in verse 2, feed the flock of God. This word feed literally means to shepherd, to tend to. And, and what we have here in these two verses, verse number 1 and verse number 2, is three different pictures of the ministry of the pastor. We have three different terms that are given to us. We have the term shepherd that is used here in this word feed. Feed the flock of God. The shepherd feeds the flock. And so that's where we get the word pastor from. The word pastor literally means a shepherd. Now our chief shepherd, as the Bible tells us in this, ver in this passage, is the Lord Jesus Christ. David the psalmist said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I trust that he's your shepherd. And if he is your shepherd, I want you to know that he has assigned under shepherds to help his sheep in local congregations. That's the pastor. And so the responsibility of the pastor. Then we see this term oversight, which is a word that is used in uh, defining the office of the bishop. So we see a pastor and a bishop, and as we saw in verse number one, this term elder. So we see three pictures of pastoral ministry given for us in, in 1 Peter chapter number 5, that is the pastor, the bishop, and the elder. Three titles for the same office. Three aspects of the pastor's responsibility. And so we're looking at his ministry and we see first of all, he says, feed the flock of God. The shepherd is to, to tend to the sheep, to care for the sheep, 
to watch for the sheep, to protect the sheep, and to feed them. I want you to go with me to the gospel according to John, John chapter number 21. And we note that it is Peter that the Lord uses here uh, to write this <clears throat> epistle and this encouragement to the shepherds that they would feed the flock of God. And no doubt as Peter penned those words, his mind traveled back to the post-resurrection conversation that he had with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see it in John chapter 21 and verse number 15. <clears throat> John chapter 21 and verse number 15. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto me, or unto him rather, feed my sheep. And he saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Three times the Lord Jesus asked this man who had once or had previously just a few days ago denied him three times. Three times he gives him the opportunity to affirm his love and devotion for the Lord Jesus Christ. And all three times when he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Here was the response of Jesus. There's something I want you to do. I want you to feed my sheep. You see, the primary responsibility of the pastor is to preach and to teach God's Word. It is to faithfully proclaim the message of God's Word. I want you to go with me to the book of Acts, Acts chapter number 20. And as we come to Acts chapter number 20, we see that Paul is, is stopping again on his way to Jerusalem at Ephesus. And he wants to speak to those Ephesian elders. Ephesus was a place where Paul ministered uh, for a great period of time and God gave him a very fruitful ministry there and now he has the opportunity to come back through Ephesus and, and uh, or at least near Ephesus and gather together the elders of Ephesus, the pastors and call them to himself so that he can speak to them. And here we find what's on his heart and what's on his mind in verse number 28. He says, take heed therefore Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. Can I tell you this? Churches don't simply elect pastors. The Holy Spirit of God places someone in that position. Now as believers we want to follow the Holy Spirit of God and we want to recognize the movement of the Holy Spirit of God but I want you to know today I'm not here at your behest. I believe I'm here because the Holy Spirit of God has directed me. And I want to tell you if I was you I would want to know I didn't call that guy. The Holy Spirit of God has called him into this ministry and into this position. And Paul said I want you to understand gentlemen as he spoke to those elders with love in his heart and a great burden. He said I I want you to understand something. The Holy Ghost has made you overseers. Notice, please, in verse number 28, to feed the church 
of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. I want to tell you something. The church is not anything to be tampered with or messed with. He has purchased it with his own blood. And he's serious about what takes place for his sheep. And in the context of, his, of, of the fold of his, of his people, he wants them to know the truth of the word of God. I grew up in uh, East Tennessee and I've been around all sorts of Bible believing people and Christian people and I've been in, in places where the emotions ran high and I've been in places where it's been so frigid you wondered if you, know, if, if you coughed somebody might fall out on the floor. I mean you couldn't make a peep, you couldn't say amen, it was just mm. how many of you think you know what I'm talking about? I've been in all kinds. And, and, and I've been in places where people say, well, you know, if, if they didn't sing this song, it wasn't a good meeting. If, if I didn't have chills running up and down my spine, it wasn't a good meeting. If, if grandma didn't get happy and start shouting, it wasn't a good meeting. And I enjoy the presence of God. And I enjoy the people of God. I, I, I enjoy people ra raising their hands during the singing. The Bible says lifting up holy hands. I, I, and, and that admonition goes to pastors too. And I'm thinking, here I am. I'm the pastor. How, I, now, I don't want to do something for a show, and neither do you. But I want to be free to worship God. Amen. I want to be free to worship God. It's good to say amen. It, it, it's good to participate. We're here to worship Him. We're not here just to go through a ritual. Amen. We're here to worship God. And, and, and so I've been in places, though, where they sort of take the other extreme and say, well, if you're not doing some of these things, then you're, you're not had a good service. Well, what does the Lord say here? He said, here's the primary responsibility to feed the church of God, to give truth to my people. I want to tell you, uh, some, of the, some of the modern day church movement people and growth people, uh, they, they've gotten off base. They, they think to, to, to grow their church... They have to do certain things to appeal to the flesh. Look, we don't need another carnival and we don't need another show. We got plenty of those. We need a place where we can come together and be taught the truth of God's word. I've heard preachers who can tell stories and make you laugh and make you feel good and take you on sort of an emotional journey. And I'm going to be honest with you. I have never been that kind of person and I'm never going to be. I just don't have that ability. And if I compared myself with them, I'm going to be pretty depressed. Because I, I'm not funny. I, I tell jokes and you don't laugh. <clears throat> Unless you're laughing at me or laughing out of pity for me. I, I'm not a good storyteller. I, 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 the only message that I have is, is God's message. And, and strong Christian lives are not going to be built on the ancillary things. They're not going to be built on the programs. I'm thankful for programs. Strong Christian lives are going to be built on the truths of God's Word. We really just sometimes need to cut through the fluff and get to the stuff. And this is the stuff. 
the Bible, preaching the Word of God. Because that's what's going to help us. Now, why was he so concerned about this? Look in verse number 29. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Boy, there's pride in people. There's pride in all of us. We want a following. We want people to hear us. We want people to think something of us. He said, you better watch out, fellas. Even among your own selves will people arise to draw away disciples after them. Not after Jesus, but after them. Therefore, verse 31, watch and remember. This is the shepherd he's speaking to. Watch and remember. Be careful. Mind what I'm saying to you, that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. What's able to build me up? The word of his grace, his truth. And to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. And so... Here we see Paul's concern. The ministry is to feed the flock of God. That's the office of the pastor. Then we notice again in our text, if you go back there with me, 1 Peter chapter number 5. And verse number 2, he says, Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof. The word oversight is the word from which we get the term bishop. And here we see that uh, the bishop, uh, the pastor as a, as a bishop is to, uh, to take oversight. That word literally means this, to regard, to regard, to give attention to, to look upon, to observe, to examine the condition of, and to look after. You know what a good shepherd will do? He'll inspect the sheep. He'll he'll look at them. He'll he'll inspect them. He'll make sure that there's no uh, parasites or or no diseases that have come in. Uh, When that wool gets matted, uh, it it, it can cause a condition in the sheep uh, that is harmful to them. He's going to inspect them. He's calling them by name and he he knows them. He's going to be watching. He's going to watch out on the horizon and see if there are any dangers or any threats. He, He is taking the oversight. He is attending to he is regarding he's looking after that's his ministry to feed and to look after and then we see those term elder that is given to us in verse number one the elders which are among you I exhort whom also an elder here we find that uh, this word Elder speaks of maturity. It speaks of wisdom. It speaks of experience. 1 Timothy chapter number 3 and uh, verse number 6. One of the qualifications of a pastor is that he not be a novice. That is someone who is inexperienced. You know, God calls young men to preach. I'm thankful he does. And I'm thankful he's called young men in our church. And I pray that he'll continue to do that. And, uh, but a novice is someone who is, is sort of new. They're inexperienced. They, they have a lot of zeal. I, at least I pray they have a lot of zeal, right? 
They have a lot of zeal, but they don't have a lot of experience and knowledge. And the Bible says that uh, these, these novices, they can be, they're, they're prone to be lifted up with pride and fall into the condemnation of the devil. A pastor has to be someone who has, who's been through some things and experienced some things and has obtained some level of godly wisdom and is in a position to exhibit mature leadership and to be able to deal with the difficulties uh, of, that come with gospel ministry. And so we see his ministry. He's the shepherd. He's the bishop. He's the elder. But then we see his motive as we consider this thought of his responsibilities. And I want you to go back with me into this passage again to uh, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 2. As he gives the ministry, he also deals with his motive. He says, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint. Not because he's been pressed into it. Not out of a sense of necessity. Not by constraint. But notice what he says. But willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Here he's dealing with his motive. You, you don't just wake up one day and say, I think I'm going to be a pastor. Now, there may be some people who've done that. But, you know, it's like, well, maybe I'll be a dentist or maybe I'll be an electrician or, or maybe I'll be a plumber. We were talking yesterday and somebody was asking one of the young people, what do you, what do you, what do you want to do? And uh, the answer came, I'm not sure. There's nothing wrong with that answer, especially when you're in high school or even, even in college. And some of us are way up there and we still don't know what we want to do, right? <laughs> but we understand that the office of the pastor should be filled by someone who has been called of God. There is a calling upon his life. And it, it's, it's not out of constraint like, well, I can't get any other job, so I think I'll be a pastor. That doesn't work that way. It's not for filthy lucre. In other words, I'm not getting into the ministry or no one should get into the ministry because they want to make a good living. Not greedy of filthy lucre. We, we live in an age where guys are talking about flying on multi-million dollar jets and, and wanting to build sprawling mansions and all kinds of things and sell uh, poor, poor people uh, uh, rags uh, and uh, handkerchiefs that they say are anointed. And uh, they're shysters. They're false prophets. And they're false teachers. They're, they're not proclaiming faithfully the truth. And they become greedy of filthy lucre. They found out that ministry can be big business if they just learn how to do it well. That's a dangerous place to be. That's a dangerous place to be. He said, that's not the motive. It's not because you needed a job. It's not because you just woke up one day and said, well, well let's see. Do I want to go to college and be a, a lawyer? Or do I want to? Well, the ministry sounds great. And those of you who are in it and been in it, you understand. Uh, it's unlike most jobs. You, you must be called of God. And you must take it willingly of a ready mind, a prepared mind, an eager mind. I want to serve God. 
And so we see the responsibilities of an elder, his ministry as shepherd, bishop, and elder, his motive is willingly, gladly, and not greedily. And then we see, secondly, and I hope you write this down, not only we see the responsibilities of an elder, but we see, number two, the rules for an elder. Who sets the rules? Who gets to determine uh, what a pastor does and doesn't and how he does it and how he doesn't do it? Who, who sets the rules? Well, the founder of the church sets the rules. <clears throat> the chief shepherd tells the under-shepherd what to do. I like Bugs Bunny. I, I, this just comes to my mind. I'm, I'm sorry to, to distract you with these thoughts, but I think about this one, one Bugs Bunny uh, episode, and, and Bugs isn't even in it. It's Wiley Coyote and the Sheepdog. And they come to the clock in the morning to clock in. You seen that one? Some of you kids are going, who is Wiley Coyote and Bugs Bunny? See, Wiley Coyote, he's trying to eat the sheep. And the sheepdog is there to protect the sheep. And they're both clocking in. And Wiley Coyote, he quite humorously tries all these tactics to, to eat the sheep and catch the sheep. And, and the sheepdog, who, who appears sort of, you know, dormant <laughs> and dull, He just quietly goes about his business. But he's always there to stop Wiley Coyote from eating the sheep. And at the end of the day, he punches out. And he goes to wherever he goes. And, and I really get a picture here of what I'm here to do. Because I've just punched in. Not for me. Not for a paycheck, but for the Lord. He tells me what field to be in. And this is the field he's placed me. And I'm thankful he's placed me here. And there's pictures on the wall and there's people in the past who, who've punched in and punched out as the Lord led them. And I'm praying that God will help me to be the pastor he wants me to be. And by the way, let me tell you, I'm more aware of my shortcomings than I was 10 years ago. But I want you to understand, he sets the rules. And he gives them to me here. Look, if you would please, in verse number 3. Neither is being lords over God's heritage but being in samples to the flock. There's two rules here. Not lords, that's rule number one, but leaders, that's rule number two. Not lords, but leaders. There's a difference. Now notice what he says here, verse three. Neither is being lords over God's heritage. By the way, whose church is this? It's his church. This is his inheritance. It's not mine. I'm a steward. I'm just here to help manage his affairs. You're a steward. We're here together serving him. This is his church. 
It's not yours and it's not mine. Aren't you glad to know that? Can I tell you that takes a lot of pressure off of us, doesn't it? To know it's not our church, it's his. And, and if it's his church, can he do with it what he wants? And that's certainly what we want. By the way, there are lots of churches that have decided that they don't want the Lord to do what he wants there. Because they want what they want. Some preachers have decided they want what they want. Some pastors have decided that. And, and some church members have decided, well, wait a minute. And by the way, it's not just the pastor who sometimes lords over God's heritage. It can be the people too. You know, when you got to have it your way. You know, when you're the kind of person, this is my church, this is our church, and we're, we're going to do it this way. That's dangerous. He says, not as lords over God's heritage. The word lords here means to have dominion over, to rule over, to exercise authority. I was counseling with a friend of mine. I use the term counseling. I don't know if he'd use the word term counseling. But he was struggling with his area of, of responsibility and ministry and with the people that God had called him to serve with. And he kept saying, they don't respect my authority. And I think he used the word authority about ten times in that conversation. And I finally said to him, as sweetly and kindly as I could, I said, listen, you've used the word authority numerous times. I said, it's not about you and it's not about your authority. You see, this, this, this lording over God's heritage is, is meaning to impose your will, to exercise your authority, to set yourself up as the man. To get the mastery of, to overpower, to subdue. That's a dangerous place to be. And there have been pastors who've done that. And I'll just be honest with you, I've been accused of it. That hurts. I'm just going to be honest there. Because if you knew my heart, and you'd sit in the deacons meetings and the staff meetings and the finance committee meetings, you would know that's not true. You would know that. We're not to lord over God's heritage, but we are to lead. And notice how we're to lead. Not by ruling over people, but to be under the rule of God. Notice what he says in verse number 3. But being in samples to the flock. That word in samples, an interesting word. We've looked at it before. It means, it means literally a type. When that typewriter key, when you hit that thing, when you strike that thing... It makes a, an impression on that page. That mechanism moves that arm and it stamps an image on that page. That's what that literally means. It's, it's a type. It's an impression. And here's how we're to lead. We are to lead by making an impression. We are to lead by example, a word closely akin to the word in our, new, in our uh, King James Version, in sample. An insample means this, a type or impression, a pattern. Notice this, please, to bear the form and figure of another. To bear the form and figure of another. Can I tell you whose form and figure we are to bear? 
It's not that of another pastor or another church. Some celebrity that we've chosen to follow. It is to bear the form and the fashion of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 8, he tells us that he has predestined us to be conformed to the image of his Son. Do you know the best way I can lead you as a church? And I want to tell you, I, I, I shiver and quake when I give this statement, but the best way that I can lead you is by modeling for you the behavior, the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I fall far short of that. The best way you can lead your family to bear the image of Christ, the best way you can be a witness on the job or at the school uh, is to bear the image of Christ, to be an ensample, not Lord's, but leaders, and leaders lead by example. Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter number 4 and verse number 12. He said, let no man despise thy youth. You see, Timothy was a young man. They said, well, he doesn't know much. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Be a leader. I say to our kids in our Christian school, I say to my own children, be a leader. Don't be a follower. Be a leader. You don't have to be vocal to be a leader. Leaders just do the right thing. They just do the right thing. And see, here, here Paul is saying, uh, or Peter rather, is saying, Paul in, in, to Timothy, but Peter now saying to these elders, to the churches scattered abroad, he's saying, what you need to do is you need to bear the image of Christ. You need to set the pattern for which the people can follow in your daily living. That's the rules, not lords but leaders. That gives me the third thing or brings me to the third thing. You see, we see the responsibilities of the elder, his ministry threefold. As bishop, pastor, and elder, his motive is to please the Lord, to be of a ready mind, to be willing. Then we saw the rules, not lords but leaders, but now we see a great part, the best part. Number three, the rewards for an elder. Notice, if you would please, in verse number four, and when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Can I tell you there are lots of rewards in ministry? The relationships that I have developed with my friends. Uh, yesterday, just going to a, a sporting event and being with people that I've known for years that I love, it sort of softened the impact for me. <laughs> of the great loss that I suffered. <clears throat> My wife said to me, did you have a good time? I had to qualify all that when I answered it. <clears throat> well, I had a good time in this area, but not in this area. The scoreboard was not reflective of a good time, but the relationships enjoyed. Good time. I think as I look at your faces, Visits and hospitals and homes and crisis that we've gone through together. 
That's a reward. It's a great reward. All your kindness and love to me that is so undeserved, that's a great reward. Being able to preach and teach the word of God, what a reward. Being able to serve with you and know you and the great people that God has allowed me to meet. I think about those who've gone on into glory ahead of us. I thank God that the Lord allowed me to know them and to have the privilege to be their pastor. That's a great reward. But there's a greater reward coming. In verse 4, when the chief shepherd shall appear. That's the greatest reward of all. To see Jesus. And by the way, that's not my reward alone or reward alone. That's yours too. The Bible said when he comes, every eye shall see him. Can you wait to see him? What a great thing to see Jesus. He said, and when the chief shepherd shall appear. I think of what God told Abraham. He said, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. There's nothing else you need but Jesus. And if you don't have him, you have nothing. Just having him is everything. Have you experienced that? Have you learned that yet? The chief shepherd shall appear. Now, that's a blessing. But it's also a, a note of concern. And let me tell you how. Because there's accountability. By the way, anytime you have authority, you have accountability. And he's reminding the pastor who he's accountable to. Who he's going to give an answer to. He's going to give an answer to the Lord. That thought nearly brings me to my knees right now. I, I am a people pleaser by nature. And I found out it doesn't matter what I do, I can't please everybody. I sometimes am misunderstood. Sometimes I'm misrepresented. And sometimes, I'll be honest with you, I, I will allow the disapproval of people to rule my life. And give no regard to the approval of Jesus. But you and I have to learn to live in the fact and the reality that we're going to stand before him, all of us. And we are all, as Christians, going to, give, going to give an account to him for what we've done with the opportunity that we've received. And i got to tell you, he's given me a really good opportunity. And he's given you a really good opportunity. And he said he's going to appear. And that will be a blessing. But oh, that accountability, that answer that we must give. And notice what he says. Ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Everybody likes recognition, don't they? A crown. You know, he's referring to that Olympic crown, that, that wreath that the emperor would place upon the, the winner of the race. 
and uh, that 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 garnish of uh, that that made that wreath up, and he'd place it. That's the that's the crown of the champion, and that was nice and green and beautiful and. It attracted attention, and, and when the champion walked through town, everybody knew who he was. But there was coming a day when the champion couldn't run as fast as he once did. There's coming a day when the champion couldn't fight and win the battle that he once won because he just wasn't as strong, and he wasn't as fast, and he wasn't as agile as he used to be. And that crown that was once fresh and brought a lot of glory has begun to, to, to decompose and, and the leaves are falling off and it's brittle and it's brown and, 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 and nobody even knows where it is and maybe somebody put it in a yard sale last week. It fades away. But this crown never fades what we do for Jesus Christ will never be lost. You see, Pastor Sexton always said to us in the work of God, you're either pastoring a church or you're helping somebody pastor a church because the church is the work of God. And we're all helping together to pastor his church. I need you. You need me. We need each other. And may God help us to understand what the responsibility of the pastor is. What rules he has to follow. But thanks be unto God for the rewards that he enjoys. And you enjoy them with him. And may God help us. Now in just a few days or tomorrow We'll have some people here who need encouragement. But let's pray that God would speak to them. And let's encourage them. Tuesday night, you encourage them. Encourage them by your attendance. Encouraging them by introducing yourself to them. By saying, we're glad you're here. Thank you for coming. Can we help you? Can we pray with you? Encourage them. We're going to have a fellowship together on Tuesday night after the service over in the gymnasium for all of you and for all the preachers and their wives. Encourage them. Encourage them by being in your place on Tuesday night singing in the choir. Encouraging them by being in the nursery. Encourage them by serving as an usher and greeter. Encourage them. They need it, don't they? And may God help us the elders among you. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.